Hi, everyone. Thanks to our readers for a tricky one. Uh, if you're new with us, a special welcome to you. My name is Troy. Uh, you've caught us kind of towards the end of our series in the book of Hebrews, and where we hit this wonderful chapter, chapter 11 tonight. So keep that open in your Bible. Uh, if you do need a Bible, you can stick your hand up now and someone will get one to you. But also you'll see an outline that will help you to know where we're heading. Almost dropped it. It's okay. Let's uh, pray. Our gracious Father, as we've just sung, we pray that tonight you would help us to make Jesus the center of our lives as we read your word and see what it means to live for him. We pray in his name. Amen. What do you think of when you hear the word faith? Uh, What do you think of when you hear the word faith lots of times? Uh, Hopefully you can see the reason I'm asking that question. It's clear tonight our passage is about faith. I hope you noticed that as we read. It was hard to miss. Uh, It said the word faith about 30 times. And it had that repeated phrase over and over again, by faith. By faith, this person did this. By faith, that person did that. Uh, And as he kind of talks about faith in this chapter, we clears up a lot of the misconceptions that we can have about faith and what it means to have faith, what it means to live by faith. Uh, So far in Hebrews, he's said bits and pieces about faith along the way, just mentioning it from time to time. but, But now he stops and he gives us this whole chapter on faith. He gives us a full picture of what faith is and what it means to live by faith. Uh, Why does he do this? Well, because, just think back to last week. Look at chapter 10, verse 22 from last week. Verse 22, he urged us, because Jesus is our great high priest, because of his one and done sacrifice for us on the cross, because of that, he says, let us draw near to God with a full, so let us draw near to God in full assurance of faith, confident trust in what Jesus has done for us. Uh, And he wants us to be, look at the end of our passage from last week, the end of chapter 10, uh, verse 38. He wants us to be the righteous one who lives by faith. He wants us to show us how important faith is so that, look at the last verse of chapter 10, 39, so that we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, as we heard last week in God's judgment, but instead those who have faith and obtain life. So he says, this is what faith is. This is what it looks like. Here are the examples of real faith so that we can live by faith. And he tells us all these stories of these Old Testament heroes of faith. So come with me. We won't have time to dig into kind of every little story that he mentions along the way. Uh, You could do that yourself. You could do that with your gospel team this week, your midweek small group. But I hope that as we go, we can see the big points he's making and then just dip into some of those really great Old Testament stories. And if you're someone who kind of, as that was read out before, you're like, I don't really know who that person is, or I don't remember that story, well, uh, why don't you go back and read those stories for yourself this week? You can do our Intro to the Bible course coming up in Term 4. I'm going to plug that again. Uh, But also, why not this week follow your your cross-references in your Bible if they have it, or or ask someone and say, where is that story? Is it in Genesis? Is it in Exodus? I want to read about that person. Why not do that this week? But as we get to the passage, let's look at Hebrews 11. He wants to encourage us in faith. And so he starts by telling us what faith is. What does he say faith is in its essence? Look at chapter 11, verse 1. But actually, don't look at it in your Bible. Look at it on your outline. 
or look at it on the screen. Uh, Look there on your outline, Hebrews 11 verse 1, and I'll read it out. Now faith is the reality or the assurance of what is hoped for, the proof or conviction of what is not seen. Now, why have I added those words there? It's because in the original language, because the New Testament was not written in English, it was written in Greek, and so we translate it. In the original language, there's these two words, and the two words can mean kind of an external physical reality or substance, something that you can hold, something that you can touch, a proof of something. All those two words can mean an internal conviction. An understanding, a confidence, being convicted, being certain and sure of something in your heart and mind. And so your Holman translation has given us that kind of external translation, which is a good translation, uh, but other translations might go with that more internal thinking translation. And I think this verse and the rest of the chapter is talking more about that side of things, faith as it is in your heart and mind. It's about what you think and, and what you understand to be true inside yourself. It's about your attitude, how you view reality. And that's then all the examples of faith have that kind of same flavor to it. So let me read it again with those, with those words. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of what is hoped for, the conviction of what is not seen. So what is he saying? What is he saying faith is? I think he's saying two things. First, faith is looking forward. He says it's the assurance, it's being sure for what you hope for, what you look forward to. But it's not talking about looking forward to going to bed tonight, as good as that will be, or to pizza after the service. Uh, it's not talking about going, looking forward to a nice holiday. It's talking about our hope, the thing that we hold on to, the thing that we know God will do in the future. He's talking about that future God has promised for those who trust in Him. Eternal life, forgiveness of sin and a new creation, rest from our works, in God's presence forever. All of that return of Jesus that we look forward to. And so faith is the, the trust that God will deliver on his promises about all of those things. And look at the uh, story of Noah in verse 7. Uh, Noah, he looked forward to something that God had promised him. You can read about the story of Noah and the ark and the flood in Genesis 6 and on. But look at verse 7. It says, By faith Noah after he was warned about what was not yet seen, was motivated by godly fear and built an ark, a big boat, to deliver his family. See, God spoke to Noah and said, I'm sick of humanity's sin. I'm sending a flood to judge the world and I'm going to start again with you. And Noah had faith. He believed in God's word. He believed the promise of the coming judgment and that God would save him as he built an ark and floated on that flood. Or look at the story of Abraham and Sarah. These are the first people to receive God's great promises. You can read about them in Genesis 12 and on. Look at verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called by God, he obeyed and he went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise. God's promise for the future. God promised Abraham that one day in, that, in the future, he would give his descendants that promised land, the land of Canaan, in now Israel. And Abraham, he believed that God would fulfill that promise. He believed that hope that God said would happen. And his, his wife, Sarah, did the same thing. Look at verse 11. 
God promised that the countless offspring and descendants to them, even though they were too old to have kids, and Sarah believed in the hope that God had promised. She knew he would be faithful. Faith is looking forward, trusting in God's promises for the future. That's the first thing that faith is. What's the second? Look again at verse 1 on your outline. Now, faith is the assurance of what is hoped for. We've seen that. The conviction of what is not seen. He says faith is seeing the unseen. It's being convicted that though you can't see God, he is real. Though you can't see his truth all the time, you still know that it's true. Look at verse 3. This is kind of his first example. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. You see, we didn't see God create the world. We didn't hear him speak the world into existence, but we trust that that's what he did. Well, look at verse 6 where he says, uh, where we see, Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith, first of all, is knowing that God, the God of the Bible, not just any God, the God who reveals himself in Scripture, that he is actually there, that he has showed himself, and that he responds to us. Let's look at another example. Have a look at Moses. Uh, The book of Exodus, when, when God saved his people out of Egypt, that's when Moses was around. Look at verse 27. It says, By faith Moses left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him, who is invisible. God. Faith is seeing the one who is unseen, knowing who he is, being convicted, convinced that he is, and that he is as he revealed himself to be. And doesn't that, doesn't that fit with what Paul says in 2 Corinthians? He says, we walk by faith, not by sight, not yet at least. Or what Peter says, he says, though you haven't seen Jesus, you believe in him and you rejoice. We trust, though not seeing him with our own eyes yet. Now, we need to be careful when we think about faith like this that we don't fall into one of two traps. The first trap is the trap that says, I need to see with my own eyes or I'm never going to believe it. Uh, You know that person who says, if God is there, why doesn't he just show himself to me? Well, they say, unless I see Jesus and I see the marks in his hands where the nails went in, or I see the, and I touch his side where the spear went into him, then I will never believe that he rose from the dead. That's what Doubting Thomas said, by the way, in John's Gospel. Well, the funny thing is, it's actually not funny, though, is that Jesus specifically said that even if someone was to be raised from the dead, e.g. him, people will still not believe. And no one actually operates like that in real life. That's not how information and evidence and making decisions works. If you truly live like that, I can only see it, I can only believe it if I see it, well, you would never believe anything Because your view is quite limited. You can't experience that much compared to what's in the world. You would never step out of your room, would you? Because how could you believe anything? That's the first trap. But the other trap is kind of the other extreme, the trap of blind faith. 
You know that thought that, that faith is taking a leap in the dark and you don't know what's below. Faith is going against the evidence. It's, it's believing what's irrational just because it makes me feel good or because it gives me a purpose or, or a meaning. Isn't that what so many people in our world think of religion or think of Christianity specifically? Isn't, isn't, and isn't it sad that many Christians can say that and think that? No, faith in Jesus is not blind faith. It's, it's trusting the evidence before us. We have the evidence that we can trust. We can have the beauty and power of creation. We have the word of God as he speaks to us. We have the, the testimony of eyewitnesses who saw these things and wrote them down. We have the, the evidence of how the gospel changes us and changes each other, transforms us. These are all things that you can look into and see and know God is trustworthy. Have you ever heard of the chair illustration? Uh, think about the chair that you're sitting on right now. Did you, did you inspect your chair before you sat down tonight or did you just sit down on it? Think about your chair. If you wanted to know if your chair was worthy of your bum, what would you do? If it, what, how, what would you do if you wanted to know if it, was, if it would hold you up? You'd inspect the chair. You would count its legs. Okay, it's got four. That's good. Uh, you would check if it's got broken legs or it's worn out. You would touch it and see what it's made of. Okay, that should be able to hold me up. You could look up reviews of the chair on your phone. The same goes for God. We can inspect God and see that he's trustworthy. Or a better way to put it, the right way to put it is, God has revealed himself. He has shown himself to be utterly trustworthy beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's worthy of our faith. Maybe don't look up reviews of God on Google though because that's going to be a waste of time. See, Christian faith is not blind faith. It's trust in what God has provided, the evidence that he's given us. Don't fall into the trap of blind faith. But having said that, faith is seeing the one who is unseen. It's the conviction that he is there, but we can't see him. But based on what we can see, what we can know, we trust in him with good reason. Come back to the chair image for a second. You might inspect your chair and you find out it's a good and solid chair. You think it's got good reviews. Uh, but faith is choosing to sit in the chair, not just think, yeah, that chair's all right. No, you need to sit in it. You need to trust that it will hold you up. See, faith is not leaping into the dark, but it's also not standing next to the chair. It's not thinking, oh, I know those things about God, but I don't trust in him. No, it's leaning on him, placing your whole life onto him, trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, saying, I'm with him, I rely on him. It's tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and knowing it for yourself. See, that's what Hebrews 1, 1 is saying. We trust God's revealed word. We experience his goodness and we believe. We have faith that look for, looks forward. We have faith that sees the one who's unseen. But the other thing that we see all through this passage is what faith does. Now, he doesn't just say what faith is. He shows us what does faith do in the life of the person with faith. He shows us how to live by faith, mostly by the example of others. So what does faith do in the life of the believer? Think, let's think about two more things. <clears throat> Excuse me. First of all, 
Faith makes you an insider and an outsider. On the one hand, faith makes you an insider. It makes you an insider with God. Have a look at verse 2. He says, For our ancestors, these heroes of the faith, they won God's approval by it, by faith. What does faith do? Faith wins God's approval. Not because faith earns God's approval. This is really important. Not because faith impresses God. No, we've seen faith is simply trusting God. It's it's taking Him at His word. Faith is admitting that you can't do anything to impress God. You can't do anything to win His approval, so you simply trust in Him. Faith is like receiving a gift. You can't do anything to earn a gift. No, you just hold out your hand and you receive it. Uh, Look again at the example of Noah. He shows us this, verse 7. It says, By faith he built the ark, and then halfway through... By faith, he condemned the the sinful world and became an heir, a receiver of the righteousness that comes by faith. The gift of being made righteous by God through faith because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Wonderfully, beautifully, faith makes you an insider with God. To those with faith, to those who trust in him, God turns his wrath away and pours out his grace. Faith is what saves. Faith makes you an insider with God. We see this uh, as well with the example of Enoch. Do you know the story of Enoch in Genesis? I love the story of Enoch. Uh, It's very short. It says, Enoch walked with God and then he was no more for God took him. God took him back to heaven. And he didn't die. Look at verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death and he was not to be found because God took him away. But then listen to this. He explains it. For prior to his removal, he was approved since he had pleased God. Verse 6, here's the point. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith makes you an insider with God because without faith, you're an outsider to him and it is impossible to please him. Now, we don't know what Enoch did to please God. We do know that he had faith and that he only pleased God because of that faith. This is really important. And again, something that people often misunderstand. Without faith, you cannot please God. Someone who is not a believer, who does not believe or trust in God as he's revealed himself, they can't do a single thing that pleases him. Why is that? Because you might be thinking, hang on, I know lots of people who aren't Christians. They do good things, that they love people, they care for their families. This is saying they cannot please God. Why? Probably the best way to picture it is a sailor. So imagine a sailor. Uh, and maybe you've heard this before, but, but imagine a hard-working sailor on a ship. He goes to work, working hard for the captain of the ship. He goes above and beyond. He does everything he's told to do, and then he does more. He scrubs the decks. He, he fixes the sails. He keeps the rigging in check. He, he looks after his fellow sailors. He's, he's really nice to them. He does everything he can to make the ship prosper and achieve all its goals, which is, sounds wonderful until you know what kind of ship it is. It's a pirate ship. And so all that good 
And all that hard work is in the name of evil, murder and plunder. That's what this is saying. Doing good things without faith in God is serving the wrong captain, pursuing the wrong goals. See, whatever a person's motivation is when they do something that might be a good thing, their motivation is not to please God. It's for something else or for themselves. So none of it pleases him because what he desires is faith. That we do things because we believe in him and for his glory, not for our own or for someone else. See, the flip side of this, though, the beautiful thing about this is with faith, you can please the God of the universe. By faith, you can do things that God delights in, that he loves, that bring him glory. You can love him and obey him. You can love your neighbor as yourself, and he is pleased because it is by faith, trusting in him for his glory. And our hearts should desire that, right? That privilege, that joy of pleasing the God who made us, who redeemed us by his son. Faith makes you an insider with the God of the universe. But faith also makes you an outsider. Faith makes you an outsider with the world. I wonder if you noticed that as we read before. All these men and women of faith are called outsiders, strangers, foreigners in this world. And so the world mistreats them. Have a look at verse 35. He lists out all these heroes heroes of faith and he says we could go on with many more examples. But then he sums up their experience in verse 35. Some men were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. See, we shouldn't be surprised at all when the world doesn't like us as Christians or doesn't understand us. Faith will make you an outsider with those in the world. Just this week, I've spoken to more than one of us who have said, my family thinks I'm crazy. My friends think my decisions are foolish because I make them in faith, based on my faith in Jesus. Faith makes you an outsider in the world because, because this is the wonderful thing, because we don't live for this world. Look at verse 13. He says, These, these heroes, all died in faith without, received, without having received the promises, but they saw them coming from a distance greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. We've seen that. But verse 16, But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Hebrews is a bit wordy again. It's good fun. But what is he saying? He's saying that people of faith don't live for this world. They don't care about their hometown. They look forward to a better place. They live for a city that will last into eternity, where God will dwell with his people forever. That's what they care about. That's what we live for. 
And so don't be surprised when you're an outsider because of faith. That's what faith does because we don't live for this world. And isn't that the last thing that faith does? Faith in God makes you live for him. At the end of the day, we aren't saved by what we do. We are saved through faith. But faith makes us do. Because we trust in God, we live for him. We live by faith, so we do things for him and for his glory. Doesn't this whole chapter just show us that time and time again so wonderfully? That by faith, these men and women did things that were great and for the glory of God. Noah, he built a massive ark and escaped the flood of judgment. Abraham left his homeland and was even willing to sacrifice his son. Isaac and Jacob passed on the promises of God to their children. Moses led Israel out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, walked through, and gave Israel the law. Example after example of men and women who lived for God, who had faith, and then they did things for him. And again, we get a summary. Look at verse 32. He says, and what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith, this is what they did, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. It's a good list, isn't it? These heroes did great things for God. How? By faith. So as we wrap up, we actually see in Hebrews 11 that the hero, the real hero in this chapter, is not all these heroes of the faith listed out for us. You may have noticed that uh, on your outline, I did something a little bit sneaky. Look at the title of the sermon. Uh, The title is The Heroes of Faith, but the end of heroes is in brackets. And that's because, yes, this passage tells us about the heroes of faith. And then we should be greatly encouraged by them, shouldn't we? And by their example of faith. But they weren't perfect. No, they they were sinners like us, far from perfect. Think about some of them with me now. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Sarah laughed at God. Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon was a coward. Samson was a, a callous man. Jephthah was a fool. David, perhaps one of the greatest, was an adulterer and a murderer. See, they were sinful, flawed men and women. And so this chapter is not holding them up as perfect or even okay. This chapter is not so much about them. It's not even about these heroes of faith. No, the real hero is faith itself. The hero of faith. These men and women did these things by faith. It's faith in God, seeing him, the unseen one. It's hoping in his promises. That's what Hebrews is holding up and exalting for us. So do you want to know God? Do you want to please him? Do you want his grace and the forgiveness that he offers through Jesus and a place in his eternal kingdom? Do you want to do great things for him now? Do you want to persevere until the end? 
in Jesus, then have faith. Cultivate your faith. Grow in your faith. Trust more and more in the promises of God. Lean more on Him. Build up your faith. Fill your heart and mind with His wonderful word and character and His promises. And as we saw last week, meet together with your brothers and sisters that you might encourage them in faith. And when you sin, like all these men and women did, and when you are weak and when you struggle, what's the answer? It's always turning to God in faith, drawing near to him again. It's about faith. Looking forward assured of your hope, having and keeping that conviction of the one who is unseen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the gift of faith and that for so many of us here, you have opened our eyes and given us the gift of faith that we might see you clearly, believe in the Lord Jesus, and so live by faith to your glory. Please help us to keep that faith and serve you all the more by it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.